Hello everybody and welcome to a very special early edition of Charts with Dan. I'm actually recording this on Sunday night. That's because we are driving a few hours away today to catch a screening of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Look for that review on the channel here tomorrow. I had to do charts a little bit early, so we're going to be doing it a little bit differently in that the numbers here are the estimates, the Sunday estimates. I usually wait to get the final numbers in. So there are some things that may not have come in or may need to be adjusted. If there are any corrections to make, I will make them on next week's show. Before before we get into the box office, though, and we have a lot to talk about, including the second week of Eternals and what that looked like, I wanted to acknowledge a pretty big milestone that we passed here over the weekend. We passed 100,000 subscribers here on the channel. It's something that we've been steaming toward for a very long time, and to have started this back in April 2020, at the time, I thought uh, you know movies would maybe come out in the second part of the summer, uh, to be really uh, almost a year after we started the channel without movies, uh, but to still see the kind of growth that we saw, the kind of audience loyalty that we saw uh, was really so encouraging. Um, this was a kind of a, a scary thing to do, even scarier, I think, if I had known what was ahead of me. I'm kind of glad that I didn't. So I first of all wanted to thank all of you, whether you were a day one subscriber or whether you subscribed a day ago, uh, for being part of the journey and the growth of this channel. I'm very proud to have passed 100,000, and there is something that happens, and I, I, I got very lucky because there was someone at YouTube, they saw that we were nearing 100,000 subscribers. And so they went ahead and asked if I wanted to have this sent. There is a special YouTube uh, privilege that you get with 100,000 subscribers. They send you a little plaque, which I have, and I figured, uh, why not open it here on the channel? This is really kind of a cool thing they do for people. Uh, you have a little foam here on the top. It comes with a, a, a letter uh, that uh, they write uh, to you. Um, just about uh, kind of celebrating this journey. And again, you know, it's just, it's nice to know that they do these things, but this is the plaque itself. Uh, comes with some desiccants. So if you're a desiccant fan, then uh, why not? But this is it. This is the, uh, the silver play button. Uh, congratulations uh, to Dan Merle for passing 100,000 subscribers. Uh, looks pretty cool. Uh, it's very easily to hang up uh, as well. So this will be getting mounted here on the set very soon, but uh, I really have so many of you that are here watching today uh, to thank for getting me to this point. Uh, this is certainly not the end goal. Um, I wanna you know, keep growing from here. Doing YouTube and, and, and building a channel like this is not something that happens in a year, it's something that happens in three, five, seven, ten 10 years. And uh, so to be 18 months or so into this and to already be here is uh, quite something. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who's watched the channel, who's been a part of this, and who's going to be a part of this in the future. Uh, I couldn't have gotten here without you, and uh, this is a really exciting moment. I'm glad that uh, I got to share it with you, uh, at least virtually. So let us transition from that to the weekend box office. And uh, as expected, Eternals was number one with a second week total of an estimated $27,500,000. So let's talk about that, first of all, in context with uh, the MCU. We did this with Sean. Chi. We also were looking at the numbers on Black Widow. As we look at the second week drop-offs, so weekend one to weekend two drop-offs domestic by percentage, you see here uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which came out earlier this year, was right there with a lot of the other Marvel films at a 54% drop-off in its second week. Uh, and then Eternals with a 61% drop-off is right there with Captain America, the First Avenger, the Incredible Hulk, um, kind of in the bottom of the pack. You see there the Black Widow is still the steepest drop-off for any MCU film. 
film, I'm sure largely because it was also the one that was available to watch at home on Disney+. Plus. Again, this is not a disaster. I kind of feel the same way I did uh, with Eternals' uh, debut. This is not a disastrous result by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, this is pretty average, though. It's not outstanding, uh, and we'll see where it goes from here. It's going to have a lot of competition, particularly starting this weekend with Ghostbusters Afterlife. We will see how it continues to hold up. Uh, you know, obviously, if this was a 70-plus percent drop, then we'd really have something to talk about as far as uh, this movie's uh, legs going forward. A 61% drop, steeper on the steeper side uh, for Marvel and for the MCU, but not the disaster that I think a lot of people were looking at, given the cinema score, given the reviews from last week and saying like, oh, this thing's really going to hit a wall uh, in its second week. It did not do that, but it also didn't hold up exceptionally well. Let's look at where it stands through 10 days, again, in comparison to other MCU films through 10 days. And you'll see that Shang-Chi at the same time in its release was at $145.6 million. Right now, Eternals is at $118.7 million. That puts it behind both Black Widow and Shang-Chi, although keep in mind it also opened behind both Black Widow and Shang-Chi and held better than Black Widow. So we'll see on a day-by-day -day basis if it is able to overtake Black Widow. Right now, also the fourth lowest gross uh, for any MCU film through 10 days, beating out Captain America, the first Avenger, Ant-Man, and The Incredible Hulk. Although Captain America, the first Avenger, and Ant-Man, both movies that got sequels. So when people look at these numbers and they say like, well, that means no more Eternals movies, that's not necessarily what it means. What we're seeing here with Eternals is probably not that surprising, which was, I think that its take has been affected somewhat by the word of mouth, has been affected somewhat by reviews, but we're not seeing a disastrous result here. We're not seeing uh, this look at the MCU and saying, well, everything's crumbling, everything's falling apart. I know there's some stories that came out this last week where Doctor Strange is going through uh, some reshoots and a lot of people saying like, oh, the MCU's in trouble, the MCU's on fire. Uh, the reshoots are reported to be rather extensive, but keep in mind that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was supposed to come out at a completely different time in the Marvel release cycle. Uh, many, many many months earlier in a different order than a lot of the TV shows, etc. So it really wasn't that surprising to me to hear that they have to do extensive reshoots on the movie because who knows plot-wise what's been set up, what hasn't been set up, what's been changed based on what they shot uh, when the script was originally written, uh, when they were shooting before, during, and after COVID. Nobody really knows, plus the fact that all Marvel movies undergo reshoots, some bigger, some smaller. I think there's this inclination right now to sort of ring the alarm bell on Marvel and say that uh, everything's in danger, everything's in trouble. I don't think that we're there, honestly. Again, Eternals isn't lighting the world on fire, but it's also not showing me that Marvel doesn't have the staying power that it once had. It's just that this particular movie is lagging a little bit behind the others. I think that we're going to see massive grosses uh, from Spider-Man No Way Home. And honestly, uh, if that is able to build anticipation for Doctor Strange, we have a Thor movie coming up. We have a Black Panther sequel coming up, although that had to go into some production delays as well. I think that we're going to see a very healthy and thriving MCU. It's just this has been a very weird year with two movies featuring characters that have never appeared in any movie before. This has been a bit of a growing pain for the MCU. Now, creatively, there's a discussion to be had there. Uh, but as far as these box office returns, I I'm just not inclined to really say that the MCU is in big trouble right now uh, because uh, we've had uh, Black Widow with the hybrid release and now Eternals uh, yes towards the back of the pack uh, but these these are all extenuating circumstances etc I would have to really see a pattern of this happening now if four or five of the movies came out and they all were toward the back of the pack then we'd have something to talk about uh, but from what I'm looking at from my analysis I, I'm really not ringing the bell right now in the MCU at all
Looking at the box office weekend tracker, comparing our box office versus the last couple years, obviously still tracking far above 2020's box office, but a steep decline from last week. And you see, again, not even close to the box office uh, for the equivalent weekend in 2019. Now, there should be a big uptick this weekend with Ghostbusters Afterlife. Unfortunately, that corresponds to the weekend in 2019 that saw the debut of Frozen 2. So I think it's doubtful that we're going to see the box office overtake uh, 2019's this upcoming week and it looks like spider-man no way home is going to be the best bet as we get into the end of the year depending on how big it opens these last uh, two three weeks of 2021 if we're going to overtake 2019's box office at any point it now looks like spider-man is going to be the last hope for that to happen let's look at the rest of the domestic box office top five and in second place was clifford the big red dog with an estimated 16.4 million dollars now that does not tell the entire story with clifford because that movie actually opened on wednesday of last week and has grossed about 22 million dollars total so if they had held off on that release until friday it's possible that it could have been competing with eternals for that number one slot or at least would have been a lot closer so uh, this is not the five-day total for clifford this is just the weekend three-day total. It's actually banked uh, about 6 or $7 million more than we're seeing now. Dune is in third place in its fourth week with $5.5 million. Its gross is now at $93 million, looking to cross $100 million domestic this week. No Time to Die at number four, even though it was available for premium video on-demand home rental this week, still in the box office top five. Venom Let There Be Carnage is still in the top five in its seventh week. It became the second film post-pandemic to cross the $200 million mark. The question with that one is, is there about $20 million more in the tank for it to overtake Shang-Chi and become the highest grossing domestic film of 2021? Normally, I would say definitely not. However, we are moving into Thanksgiving week here. The movie is still uh, in theaters. It's not yet available for home distribution. So is it possible that we could see a surge of attendance for Venom, Let There Be Carnage in the week coming up uh, and that it could overtake Shang-Chi? I think it's possible, but I think if it happens, it's going to be a very, very, very close final result. Let's look at the top per theater average, and that goes to Eternals in 4,090 theaters still. Uh, that average drops from last week, but still $6,724 per theater that was showing the Eternals. Looking at the specialty or limited release box office, these are movies that are in 1,000 theaters or fewer. Two big titles, French Dispatch, obviously, last week, and then Spencer, which has been on the charts for the past couple weeks, have moved over 1,000 theaters. So they have moved off of this chart because their release has widened. At number one is Kenneth Branagh's Belfast, which is a big awards buzzy movie. It pulled in some solid numbers from 580 theaters with a $1.8 million gross. Suryavanshi, which thank you to uh, a few viewers who helped me with that pronunciation. I hope I did a little bit better this week. Stays at number two. Also, some people brought uh, to my attention that there was another film out of India called uh, Anathi. And again, that's probably not the correct pronunciation, but I I'm doing the best that I can here. Uh, that was not listed on the specialty box office. That's because there were no official figures that were released for that film. Uh, so I can't report official figures, but uh, reports were that it also did well last week and potentially even this, this weekend. 
uh, not only domestically here, but also in India. Uh, I just I don't have those official numbers to report, unfortunately. Third on the limited release chart is Julia, which is a new documentary about the chef Julia Child. That is from Julie Cohen and Betsy West, who directed the documentary RBG. $20,000 in only five theaters. At number four is The Rescue, still on the chart here after six weeks in 34 theaters with $16,500. And then A24 is The Souvenir Part 2, again, very, very slowly expanding its theater count. It's now in 42 theaters in its third week, and it made just over $14,000. Moving from the limited release box office, let's see what the top grossing films internationally were. So these were the films in markets outside of the United States and Canada. At number one was Eternals with $48 million. It dropped less than 50% from its debut last week. So a good hold as it continues to roll out into new markets. No Time to Die, still very strong internationally at $23.9 million. Uh, the Chinese film Be Somebody, which is a murder mystery film uh, at number three with nineteen point eight million dollars venom let there be carnage with 7.7 .7 million dollars and then at number five is a film out of hong kong called anita it is a biography of hong kong singer and actress anita rui 7.1 million dollars enough to make the top five internationally as we mentioned last week the dwayne johnson emily blunt film jungle cruise did get a release in china this past weekend but as so many people feared the fact that it has been months since it came out uh, in other markets around the world widely available was put on disney plus just this past weekend it made just over three million dollars at the chinese box office this past weekend so evidence mounting that if these films these disney films or these movies like space jam don't get out soon if they're not part of the first rush uh, to the market in china then you really can't stake a lot of hopes to the fact that they're going to do a lot of business in China. Some movies like No Time to Die that have been in there around the same time they're in theaters and other markets uh, have done reasonably well, uh, but we see here Jungle Cruise not making much of an impact at all in China due to the fact that it's readily available elsewhere. Let's look at the top five films worldwide. So this is the domestic market and the international market added together. Eternals, number one again with $75.5 million. No Time to Die at number two with $28.5 million. Be Somebody at number three with $19.8 eight million dollars so the same top three uh both internationally and worldwide at number four clifford the big red dog driven by its domestic debut this past weekend and at number five the international and domestic numbers are enough to put dune still in the top five with another 12.3 million dollars Looking at the 2021 worldwide top 10, so these are the highest grossing films of the year worldwide. The battle at Lake Shangjin keeps increasing its lead. It's now heading toward $900 million in China. Hi Mom still at number two with $841.6 million. F9 is at number three for now, but as you can see, No Time to Die proving why they wanted to wait and release this film worldwide. James Bond is a global franchise. It has broken the $700 million mark. It is now number four and is less than 20 million dollars behind f9 so we could very well see no time to die become the third highest grossing film of the year globally detective chinatown 3 knocked down one spot to number five and then the rest of the top 10 remains the same godzilla versus kong at number six venom let there be carnage at number seven shang chi and the legend of the ten rings at number eight black widow at number nine and dune at number ten 
Let's look at the top 10 grocers domestically for 2021. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings at number one. But as I mentioned, Venom Let There Be Carnage has also broken that $200 million mark. So it is about $22 million, a shade under $22 million away from becoming the number one film of 2021 domestically. We'll see if it can get there. Black Widow remains at number two. F9 is at number four. A Quiet Place Part Two at number five. No Time to Die remains at number six, although it's gunning for that number five spot. Free Guy is at number seven. Eternals makes its debut on the chart at $118.7 million. It will pass Free Guy up in the next day or two, and then we'll see how high it goes from there. Jungle Cruise is at number nine, dropping one spot to number nine. And Godzilla vs. Kong drops down one spot to number 10. Halloween Kills, as predicted, dropping off of the chart after just one week. But look at this. We have, for the first time this year, all 10 films on the domestic box office chart grossing over $100 million. So to have all 10 films in that nine-figure range, just another small step as we attempt to return to some form of normalcy at the box office. It was a pretty sad end-of-the-year chart last year domestically when we looked at what had come out. And so uh, I know a lot of people would look at these totals and say, like, well, these are pretty low. Uh, and in a vacuum, yes, they are. But the fact that we are now uh, going for movies that were struggling for so long, I mean, Godzilla versus Kong took weeks and weeks and weeks to pass $100 million. The fact that we now have 10 movies that have passed $100 million just shows that we are making our way back at the box office. The business is not going to be done the same way that it once was, but it looks like it is on its way back. And these little, small, tiny steps along the way just show us how far we've come. Before we take a look at the streaming charts, I always like to do a flashback to a previous year in box office history. And if you, well, I guess we're called geriatric millennials, but I'm going to say if you older millennials are getting a little self-conscious about your age, then you may want to plug your ears for this because actually 20 years ago tomorrow, the weekend of November 16th through 18th, 2001, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone kicked off the multi-billion dollar franchise with a $90.2 million debut. So it has been two decades since Harry Potter first graced movie screens everywhere. That is exceptionally hard to believe. I don't know where 20 years has gone, quite frankly. Monsters, Inc. sharing a theater with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in its third week with $22.7 million. If you open the dictionary and look up the term mixed messages, you'll see a picture of the number three movie, Shallow Howl, which in its second week grossed $12.1 million. Here's an early 2000s phrase for you. The John Travolta, Vince Vaughn domestic thriller, Domestic Disturbance, was in fourth place in its third week with $5.3 million. And the David Mamet film Heist with Danny DeVito, Delroy Lindo, and Gene Hackman in in its second week, rounded out the top five with $4.6 million. Before we go, as always, I like to see what people are watching at home, and we will start with what people are watching on Amazon. And at number one, as mentioned, No Time to Die, available for premium video on-demand home release. So it's that premium rental. You're paying 20 bucks. You get the movie for 48 hours. It's number one on the Amazon charts. The rest of the top five holdovers from last week, Free Guy at number two, Dangerous at number three, Stillwater at number four, F9 at number five. At number six is Paw Patrol the movie. At number seven is Rocky IV, Rocky Rocky versus Drago, which is the Sylvester Stallone director's cut of Rocky IV. Mara and I actually went to see it last Thursday night. There was a Fathom event, so it was in theaters for one night only. And it is really interesting if you are a Rocky fan and you want to see an alternate version of the film. 
Uh, there's a lot of it that's still intact. The montages are all still there. Uh, it, it's essentially the same film, but it is very interesting to see the changes that were made. Uh, some of the more outlandish parts of the film were removed. Uh, some of the fights were extended. Uh, there are even some alternate takes that are used uh, as we get on into the film. It, it is an alternate version of the movie. It's a much more dramatic version of the movie, but I found myself enjoying it and kind of on a completely different level than I like to watch Rocky Four. Rocky Four is a great just have fun put it on when you're at home maybe having a, a an adult beverage or two uh, and just enjoy this very pure 80s piece of, of cinema this is Sylvester Stallone's attempt to bring it back down kind of to the level of the first Rocky film and I really think that it is a, an intriguing alternate way if you ever wanted to just watch a more serious version of this film I would, I would recommend it. So it's available for rent. We're going to see it on some of our other charts. Rocky IV, Rocky versus Drago. If you are a Rocky fan, that's a recommendation for me to see how, how Sylvester Stallone sees this movie that he made over 30 years ago through his own lens today because he personally oversaw all of these revisions. Nobody back on the chart at number eight. Old Henry back at number nine. And I guess people are getting into the holiday spirit because The Grinch is at number 10. Let's see what people are renting and buying over on iTunes. At number one is No Time to Die. At number two, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is also now available for purchase in addition to streaming on Disney+. Free Guy and Old Henry stay on the charts at numbers three and four. Apex, which stars Bruce Willis, is at number five. And at this point, when I look at the iTunes charts, if it's a movie I haven't heard of, I'm just going to assume that it stars Bruce Willis. Rocky IV, Rocky vs. Drago, also on the iTunes charts, coming in at number six. Stillwater and Old are carryovers from last week at number seven and eight. And then we have a couple new entries, Jungle Cruise at number nine. And The Suicide Squad, available for purchase and rental, is at number ten. Let's see now what people are watching over on Netflix, and we'll start with the movie chart to see what movies people are watching on the service. The Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, Red Notice is number one. If you didn't see my review for Red Notice, you can click the little box up there at the top corner. Uh, I enjoyed the film. Most critics did not. Uh, you can check out my take on it. Love Hard is at number two. The Harder They Fall at number three. Uh, a big kind of buzzy awards movie, Passing, is at number four. Seized is at number five. 21 Jump Street, a holdover from last week at number six. And then we have a little holiday spirit going on. Father Christmas is back is at number seven. We have the holdover Army of Thieves at number eight. And then Kurt Russell's The Christmas Chronicles coming back on the charts at number nine. And The Holiday, also starring Jack Black, at number 10. And finally, let's see what people are watching on the Netflix service overall. At number one is Red Notice. Love Hard is at number two. Big Mouth, the Netflix original series, is at number three. The Harder They Fall at number four. Arcane, League of Legends, which I've heard a lot of buzz about, is at number five, a new entry to the chart. Narcos Mexico, the Netflix series, at number six. Passing, the Netflix original movie, at number seven. Squid Game, still in the top ten, at number eight. The Netflix original series, You, is at number nine. And at number ten, for the 34th record-breaking consecutive week, is... I'm sorry, that, that, there's got to be a mistake there. Let me double check my notes here. Uh, at number 10 for the 34th consecutive week is Animal, an immersive series that follows the world's most magnificent creatures capturing never-before-seen moments from the heartwarming to the outrageous. Um, okay, uh, so it appears Coco Melon is not on this chart right now. I... <laughs> Uh, I'm not really sure what to do at the moment. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's happening. 
I told you people. I tried to tell you people. I tried to tell you what would happen if Coco Melon ever fell off this chart, but you didn't listen. It was at number 10 last week. I tried to tell you that this was gonna happen. Oh my God, no, no, it's coming. Okay, okay, maybe it's not too late to stop this. Um, uh, go to Netflix right now. Turn on, turn it on, turn it on. Just press Coco Melon. Uh, have, it doesn't matter what episode. Uh, just push Coco Melon right now. It might not be too late to stop this. Oh my God. Oh my God, I told you people. Wear vest H Street. I told you. I told you this is what had to happen. Oh no. Oh my God. Okay, everybody, don't panic. Get to the most underground part of your house that you can. Get to the most interior part of your house that you can. This could be it. I don't know if we're coming out of it. I love to be your daddy.